Chris Wendelkin, and this is On the Line, my podcast where I talk all things NBA. We do some NBA deep dives, drafts, news from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at onthelinepod underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. You can email me any uh, NBA thoughts, questions, um, ideas, I don't know, uh, at onthelinepod at gmail.com. Last, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. I greatly appreciate it. All right, we got a great show for you today. My buddy Adam Lustig is on the line. Um, the NBA is moving at a fierce clip the last week, so we are just going to hop into it, talk all things uh, Boston Celtics, the Wizards. We're going to talk about the struggles of the Golden State Warriors. We will talk about the Grizzlies and Clips. We'll talk about Markel Fultz and, uh, and all that stuff. So let's hop into it. Here's my conversation with the one, the only, Adam Lustig. On the line, a man with the confidence to name his fantasy basketball team, Allison Oop. He's the uh, the biggest Syracuse basketball fan that I know. Welcome back to the show, Adam Lustig. Lustig, how, how are you? How's it going? So doing so well, Chris. Yeah. Doing so, so well. Syracuse has had kind of an up and down beginning to the season. I think they're like preseason ranked, maybe like top 10 or top 15. Oh, really? I, I think so. They're yeah. like never not good, but yeah, uh, it's so interesting. In what are their like opening? You know how they have those like yeah. Thanksgiving weekend opening Maui type tournaments? In Hawaii. Or, always, they're like somewhere very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> always beautiful. Like to remind it, it's almost like the beautiful amuse-bouche before like the snowy, slushy <laughs> grind of the regular season. Yeah. It's like, we'll just do it in Hawaii, in Jamaica. Yeah. That's where basketball is Totally, yeah. totally, totally. <laughs> Yeah, because you know um, what, like Syracuse, you know what Syracuse, wanna... New York looks like in like late November, early yeah. December. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. that's exactly right. It's like we're going to play in the opposite of the climate. <sighs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to also wish you on the fantasy basketball tip today, just for full transparency. This is we're speaking on Sunday morning. Let's go. Both of us yes. heading into the last game of our weeks are locked into incredibly intense five-five ties right. going into who our. Are you playing? Our, uh, Do you know who you're playing this week? I'm playing the champion, fabulous Thunderbird, oh, the wow. dominant force in our league. Hey, your team looks great. You're in second place in the conference. You're right on I'm his strapping. heels, man. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I, thank I'm, you, Chris. I'm, I'm locking horns with Chris Smith this week in a yeah, cl- closely contested match. So, um, Well, I just wanted to say Godspeed and good luck. Thank you very much to of you course. as well. <laughs> All right, Lester. So we are 20 games into the NBA yeah. season. Yeah, um, I'm curious. So the Houston Rockets and Boston. Boston Celtics, they're they're yeah. barely 500 ball clubs. That yeah. the playoffs started today, Houston wouldn't make it. The the Celtics would be the seventh seed. The Grizzlies and the Clippers are are great. They're the second and third <laughs> yeah. seeds in the West. Yeah. The Raptors and Bucks look like powerhouses in the East. The Warriors are uh, 14 and seven. They're currently in the first place in the West, but their their team sees a, seems as yeah. combustible as ever. As you know, yes. from a personality perspective, the Lakers yes. the Lakers are flashing promise. Lusto. Are there any early season trends, surprises, things that have caught your eye, things that have piqued your interest, if it's a team, a player, a theme, a trend, anything early on through 20 through 20 games that uh, has caught well, your firstly, eye? Firstly, it's like at the risk of sounding like a commercial for NBA.com, like the official <laughs> league website, it yeah. does honestly feel like every night of the year there's like three or four outstanding games and you're yeah. like oh my god every team is excellent and i just feel like we're and we're like living in this and granted like you said we're only 20 games in so it's a relatively small sample size but yeah. is it because that's a quarter of the season yeah you know what i mean yeah it's real so but it's, it's it just it does i don't know if you feel this way but i feel like 
we're entering this new realm of parody that's like super parody where it's not just like there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that are like jockeying for playoff position but all the teams are interesting compelling and really really fun to watch and and super good yeah it feels like such a fine line especially in the west but really across the nba it feels like such a fine line between being a contending team and being totally out of the playoff picture yes like like i I said i mean if the playoffs started today the houston rockets with mvp james harden and chris paul would not make it you know um the pelicans wouldn't make it the spurs Spurs, wouldn't make it the spurs it's just like the spurs i gotta say i watched this and made that spurs bucks game last night was the exact kind of game that i'm talking about Uh just like bucks bucks down 15 they crawl they claw their way back they win the game in sort of dramatic fashion the score is like 126 to 124 i guess that would be the most obvious trend it's like where is defense where is it it feels like like scoring is just off the charts you know i was saying a a couple of weeks ago to a friend on the podcast i was saying like it kind of resembles a little bit what the nfl did with scoring where they made the rules such that like defense was really you know thrown out the window and it was like all about the quarterback the idea was like you can't touch the quarterback you'll be fined if you touch the quarterback so passing is going to go through the roof and uh, and there was just this offensive explosion it seems like a similar thing is maybe beginning to happen in the nba where it, you know, you can't really play defense. It's so hard to play good defense in the NBA without getting called for a foul. I um, know. And I know it, it a little bit makes us sound like crotchety children of the no, 90s. No, like no. back in our day, hand checking was not right. a thing. And Michael Jordan would get abused on his way to the rim right. by the bad boys. But like, it's also a little bit true. I mean, you know, I mean, dude, I think it's, 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 it's even within the last <laughs> two or three years. I mean, even yeah. like Le- when LeBron played on Miami and the heat, there was a different level of defense playing. Yeah. Yes. being played than there is now. It really feels like in the last like two years, there has been like this radical shift in officiating totally. where it's like, if you are anywhere near a guy taking a three-point shot, he's going to the line. Yes. You know what I That's mean? That's right. And, and, player, um, and players have started understanding that and, 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 and playing accordingly. So now- Adapting their game. Yeah. Totally. If, if, if a defender has his hand even anywhere near you, you're just chucking up a three knowing that, uh, yes. hey, if it goes in, it goes in. And if not, I'm yes. going to the line. I, I do want to say one thing in terms of the elite super, like mega superstar echelon yeah. of player. Uh, and I want to say something that maybe, maybe I don't think is going to be controversial, but I, I just, I think in terms of the most underrated superstar mm-hmm. and the most overrated superstar, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, you're talking about the Rockets and I have James Harden. He is the staple of my fantasy team, but his game mm-hmm. makes me furious. <laughs> the way he, the way he plays basketball enrages me. Why? I just, I can't stand. He, I mean, and it's like, I know that I ranted about this last year and like this is just his style of play but the amount of time of the shot clock that he consumes just dribbling and dallying at the top of the key i just i don't know man it's an ugly uh, it's brand like, of basketball it's his oh, yeah exactly it's like his own specific thing and i kind of feel like he's like golden handcuffs for the rockets it's like i don't know if they can I, i'm not sure that they can get over the hump with harden as their main star and i know it's crazy because he is the mvp he's a freak talent he can finish around the rim maybe second only to Kyrie in the league i mean just the way he has mm-hmm. body control and finish but i don't know man like i kind of think he's holding them back well he, he put <laughs> you know, up like 40 something points last night and they lost right and they lost to the Cavs. that's what i'm saying it's like i just don't know if the red i mean like yeah i just don't know how the rock if and how the rockets can thrive with james harden and like carmelo bounced right away mm-hmm. I, I just i don't know man james harden to me is is like in, in terms of nba superstars seems to be one of the more overrated ones underrated what the hell is 
was Kemba Walker. Oh, Unbelievable. I could talk about Kemba what Walker. What the hell? He all, followed all a 60 week. point game with a 40. I mean, that dude is out of control. And do you, is he a I guy love that him. you think, Chris, is he going to get moved? I mean, are, do the Hornets like, I don't know anything about contracts. He you is, know much more about that. Yeah, he is such a curious case, Kemba Walker. Wow. Like, he, yeah. first of all, I feel like you're right. He is one of the most, um, one of those guys that we just don't talk about enough in like NBA circles, but he really is an elite player. Oh my uh, gosh. He is one of, you know, I heard discussed, I think it was on the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast the other day. Yeah. Um, he's one of those guys, one of those rare New York city basketball products yeah. that actually is underhyped. Most of the time <laughs> yes, when someone comes exactly. out of New York, like Carmelo Anthony, we all know about, right? Uh, right. When when someone comes out of New York City, we hear about them and we, you know, they become this legend, whether it's Stefan Marbury, like even like guys like Sebastian Telfair. We I was heard just so say, much about, like right? anti-Telfair. Right. Yeah, exactly. We heard so much about these guys and usually they don't live up to the promise, but if nothing else, we always know about them. <laughs> Kemba true. Walker, Kemba Walker is one of those guys who actually we don't hear enough about in terms yes. of his greatness. You know, he went to UConn. Yes. He had that historic, like, legendary one a legendary yes. run with with UConn winning the yes. winning the uh, the championship hitting yep. hitting like big clutch game winning buzzer beating shots and he did yes. it at the garden you know yes. and he went to Charlotte and Charlotte has kind of historically just been a ho uh, like a ho hum franchise totally and, ho-hum. and yeah. um you know he's he's been in the league probably for 8 9 years now he's almost 30 he's going to need a contract extension and he has been you know he's been adamant about wanting to stay in Charlotte like he wow, is he is so the rare he is the rare guy that last year when there were trade rumors surrounding his name he kind of bristled at the idea of being moved he's like I want to be in Charlotte I want to be the centerpiece here and so i can kind of foresee michael jordan the you know president of the hornets extending him you know because it's 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 rare that there is a player that like wants to be in charlotte the question Uh, is whether that's smart like whether you know like is that is it a wise franchise building kind of move i don't know i wonder i wonder if it's almost an explicit michael jordan thing where it's like i want to be on jordan's team i don't doubt that I don't doubt yeah, that for right? one second. Yeah. And it's like maybe Kemba has some degree of faith that like the Michael Jordan factor will draw other fancy free agents to Charlotte. But I mean, and I'm just glancing at the standings I, right now. Mm-hmm. They're also in the thick of it. I mean, that's the yep. beauty about the NBA this year. Everybody is in the thick of it except yep. for like the Hawks and the Suns. Yep. And it's like everybody could make the playoffs. And the Hornets right now are 500, just like the Celtics. I also so think there's like, an appeal, honestly, from uh, trying to get in Kemba Walker's head. I think there's an appeal to like being wanted by Michael Jordan. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Like. If, if, exactly. if the greatest player of all time yes. wants to extend your contract, yes. you're kind of like, yeah, okay. that's yeah, that's exactly. what I want. I want the greatest player of all time like validating me, exactly. even if it's not necessarily like a recipe for success and winning. That's like right. there is an appeal to being wanted by Michael Jordan. Michael right? Jordan, it's so true. Yeah. Anyway, he just like I'm just constantly reminded at like sort of every year there's like a week of the season where I'm like, oh my god, Kemba Walker is like one of the greatest scorers of our era. He's and fantastic. That we don't even, he can score from everywhere. He's so quick. His jump shot is so money. He is. I mean, anyway. So yeah, I just no, want to just, no, dude, he's yeah. never in the conversation with Curry or Westbrook or yeah. Damian Lillard, but really he is an elite, elite totally. player. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Another just like early season thought or trend. I don't have anything yeah. too, I don't know, brilliant to say about this, but there yeah. does seem to be 
I don't know, like a shift in power a little bit from the West to the East. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the, the, the East is going to win the NBA Finals this year, but it does seem just like glancing at the at the standings. Again, we're 20 games into the season. I don't want to yep. overreact, but it does yep. seem like there are some very clear powerhouses in the East. Toronto, Milwaukee, yeah. Philadelphia. <laughs> um, Boston struggled out of the gate. Uh, I, I, I imagine they're going to kind of figure it out sooner than later. But even if not, even if it's just Toronto, Milwaukee, yeah. and Philadelphia, Philadelphia, some yep. really like classy, um, powerful yeah. teams out in the East and in the West. Conversely, in the West, we've been so used to it just being, you know, Golden State and San and Antonio and, right. and, and these powerhouse teams and the Rockets. And, you know, like we've had a run now in the West with, you know, between Golden State and Houston having like, you know, 60 win teams. Uh, Golden State had that 70 win team that, that yes. a couple years ago. And this year it's been, uh, like you mentioned before, parody. Like it's, it's just been, yeah. it's just been a hodgepodge of teams. I mean, again, if the playoffs started today, the Clippers and the Grizzlies and the Nuggets would That's be wild. the top seeds in the West. That's wild. You know? Yeah. I know. It's, it's fun to see the Warriors kind of self-destruct self-combust these are wildly exaggerated terms they're no. probably still going to win the finals they're probably still going to sweep the finals you know what i mean yes. but it's like they it's fun to see them struggle a little bit it's fun to see them lose three in a row it's fun to see durant and draymond get at each other's throats a little bit it's fun to see the sort of the the this team that has like I don't, know, I don't know how you feel about this, but mm-hmm. I'm a weird contrarian. The Jordan and the Bulls were dominated in the 90s, and that's why I loathed them. Yes. And like the Warriors have become this dominant force where it's like I feel like the public opinion on them has swayed from them being like this upstart new team. Oh, my God, Steph Curry's mm-hmm. little elf. It's amazing. And now that they're the full establishment, it's fun to watch them suffer. Absolutely. And it's like fun. And it's fun to watch them like slog through it. And uh, so I, I love uh, – and again, I don't have mm-hmm. much confidence that they won't win the final. <laughs> yeah. But they, I mean, I still think it's kind of a foregone conclusion that they will win the championship again, to be honest with you. But it's fun to watch them hit these road bumps along the way. And yeah, I wouldn't mind it if, uh, one or two other scuffles there on the bench, Draymond so, and Durant. I would love to sort of thicken in that tension. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you, man. Honestly, like yeah. four or five years ago, the Golden State Warriors were really, you know, they were the quintessential league pass team. You yes, know, exactly. Like, like uh, I, I live in New York now as, as an East Coaster, but like the Warriors yeah. were that team for Four or five years ago that it's like hey it's 10 it's 10 30 at night let's see yeah. who's still playing basketball and the warriors really were that team that's like yes out in san francisco they were doing this wacky thing they took these crazy deep three-point shots yes. no one believed that that was really like um a long-term viable thing that could work in yes. the nba and so they were just fun. Like you said, like Steph Curry was this little yes. elf, you know, he was yeah. this like scrawny little guy. Yeah. There's no way he could really compete with like the big, like hulking athletes of right. the NBA. And of course, now we know, we know the game has evolved. Small ball took over the league and actually right. the Warriors, you know, were this, behe- have become this behemoth. Yes. Um, so yeah, they really have become the NBA's villain and it yeah. is kind of fun to see them struggle. Let's be real. Oh, like. Great. It's great. It's great. <clears throat> it's so great. Do you what? What is your instinct? Do you think that they still walk away with the ring this year? I mean, is that if, if you had to just kind of see into the future a little bit? I mean, do you think who do you think poses the the most existential threat? Let's just say in the West. In the Forget West? the East for now. Who do you think poses the biggest threat to them in the West? To me, there there still kind of isn't one. 
I don't <laughs> see one, man. I mean, yeah. I, like, come on, like if 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 the playoffs started today, like I said, the one through eight would be Golden State, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, yeah. the Trailblazers, the Thunder, the Lakers, and the Sacramento Kings. That's so honestly, Kings. like of that list yeah. of teams, you know, the only like LeBron James maybe inspires the most confidence, but like the Lake, like I I, I really don't think the Lakers. I don't think it's fair to expect the Lakers to really challenge the the Warriors yet. So so to answer your question, I don't think there is like a natural, you know, oh that's the that's the team that's going to vanquish the Warriors. Like I don't that's think exactly that team right. and that's really why exists yet. Yeah, that's right, and that's why it's so satisfying. It's like the only hope we have for some uh, ultra parity is for them to self just their their biggest enemies are themselves. Totally. I mean, so, <laughs> it's like yeah. Let's. I mean, you know, I was going to talk about the Warriors later in the show, but let's dive into it. Like the Warriors okay, narrowly beat the Kings on Saturday Ooh, night. I watched this okay. game. And, you know, it actually came down to the final possession. Buddy Heald had the ball with a chance to win the game in the final seconds. He put up yep. a shot. He missed it. And the tip back the tip back got wedged between the rim and the backboard. I, I you know that. when that happens? I saw that. Right, yeah. So they had to do a, uh, a jump ball. The the Kings <laughs> didn't win the jump ball. The game ended. And, and basically, yes. you know, the Warriors, like, narrowly escaped. Point being is... Yes. The the Golden State Warriors are now four and six over their last ten games. In the last wow. week, they have been torched by the Oklahoma City Thunder. They lost yes. to the Spurs. They lost yes. to the Dallas to the Dallas Mavericks. They lost yep. to the Rockets. They lost to the yep. Clippers. They narrowly yep. beat the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the Hawks. Yeah, Jesus. Steph Curry has been injured now with a, a groin strain. Draymond's been right. out with an ailing big toe. I think yep. Lustig, this is like a this is a wake up call for Kevin Durant, especially as it as it relates to free agency. Like this yep. is how the uh, the rest of the NBA actually works. Most teams don't have four or five healthy all NBA players <laughs> no. on their roster. You know what I mean? No. And 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 I read this stat that was pretty interesting. You know, with Steph and KD on the floor together this season. They they are outscoring yep. their opponents by 13 points per 100 possessions. But when it's just Kevin Durant without Steph, that yeah. that margin falls to two points. So the, two. The, the, That's yeah, drop. the reality wow. is, like you were asking, like, do I see them getting to the finals this year? I really think it. I mean, stating the obvious, it really depends on Steph Curry's health. Steph like, Curry, totally. I, I, I think the moral of the story is like, hey, it turns out Steph Curry is really good at basketball, and like, I know. he's a big part of their success the last four or five years. And when that team doesn't have Steph Curry, like. You know, I'm not saying they're the the Warriors are an average team, but they are much less potent than than they than they've been in the past. And it's I, true. I don't know. It's man. like they it, it's like they go from like 96 Bulls stat mm-hmm. like level dominance yep. to like 94 Knicks almost great. Totally. Like not. <laughs> it's like they totally. really can take a dip. And I'm one of the first people to be snarky and cynical about Steph Curry. I uh, mm-hmm. went on Amir, our mutual friend Amir's yeah. podcast, Buckets, to talk about how I thought that Clay Thompson is infinitely better than Steph Curry, which I, I truly this believe. Is your, this is your corner. You feel this that is Thompson corner. is the yeah. superior player to Steph Curry. Yes, yes. But your point is incredibly valid. And I think it's it's like, so why does the point differential drop so much? I think it becomes a lot about, like, sp- again, Captain Obvious over here. But it's like the floor spacing, the spacing that mm-hmm. Steph sort of enables mm-hmm. on offense is, I just, I guess, cannot be overstated. It sounds like it's worth exactly 11 points a game. Yeah. It's just like the sheer spacing that he provides. You have to check him 40 feet from the basket. He's such a potent threat. He may create so much physical space for his other teammates that it's like, yeah, when he's not there, they get trapped into a little bit of iso ball with Durant. Oh, and no Thompson. doubt. 
Durant and Thompson. And it's like all of a sudden you're right. They're like any other normal NBA team kind of. Well, I think I think another component of it is like the, re- the reality is like when you look at the the finances of the team, you know, like yeah. they have paid these four players, you know, uh, uh, Draymond Green, Durant, Steph Curry yeah. and Clay Thompson. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. they add Boogie Cousins into the mix because oh, they, oh, yeah. because the salary structure is such that they it's so top heavy. They have yeah. a surrounding cast of guys who are all on minimum vet level contracts. You know, guys like right. Sean Livingston and Jonas Drebko yeah. and yeah. even um, uh, Quinn Cook. These guys, it's yeah. like they, they uh, Kayvon Looney, they're expected to play such an important role when someone, yeah. you, you, when Draymond Green is out and, and Steph Curry is out, all of a sudden, like, okay, I guess Andre Iguodala is like a major offensive piece on this team now. Like, yeah. I, I, I guess, or I guess Jonas Drebko is going to be taking 10 shots a game and all of a sudden it's like that's not necessarily a good idea you're right it does reveal how thin it does reveal how thin their bench is or like how thin they are and like i watched some of these games and looney is really good he's really tall and lanky what is he he must be pushing seven feet i think he's like a a big old boy yeah 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 but but sometimes i gotta tell you he gets overmatched well yeah dude like he's (laughs) overexposed like Like, he's not meant to be a he's not meant to be like a primary option on this team like his role his role is perfect when he's like a 10 to 15 minute off the bench guy but he's not supposed to be playing 25 30 minutes a game that's not what his function on an nba championship level team is supposed to be right and it's like all of a sudden the boogie cousins acquisition looks less like a luxury and more like a necessity oh it's totally (laughs) a necessity yeah Yeah, you know i read another interesting (laughs) thing too about like the the struggles of the warriors and what, yeah. what's going on and i yeah. think what has happened a little bit ethan strauss yeah. the writer ethan strauss for the athletic oh, yeah. pointed this out He's he said great. that like you know i th- the warriors have basically become a little lazy the last few years yeah. where steph curry has been able to hit these remarkable shots from so deep that frankly the in, in the half court set the golden state warriors really don't run many plays you know That's what right. i mean like Durant and Curry and Thompson can bail these guys out um, yes. and 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 kind of hit these miraculous shots. But when yes. you take Curry out of the equation, they don't really have set plays to run. So it uh, very often becomes hero ball with Kevin Durant, yes. where it's like let's dump the ball into Kevin and yep. kind of hope he can figure out something in the paint or uh, and or usually out of the he does. And I'd also just like to say this, not to directly again comparing them to the '90s Bulls, but it's like we haven't really seen a dynasty this dominant since Jordan and the Bulls. So I mean, you could argue the Spurs, yeah. But just compare them. The other thing that the Warriors kind of lack, it well, I, I should say the thing that that. Uh, in the 90s, I feel like prevented the Bulls from getting bored and like kept like they kept somehow ascending, even though they had real no real competition in the league and they were winning every year. But the reason that I, I think that they kept from getting sort of bored and lazy uh, was Jordan and what a psycho yeah. he was and what a competitive sociopath yes. that he was. And he was not going to allow his team to lose ever, 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 even though he had five rings, he needed six, needed seven, needed eight. And like he has that drive. The Warriors don't exactly they don't exactly have that sociopath. Yeah. Like, like if anything, it's Durant. And Durant is such a fascinating NBA personality. He's a very he's fickle guy, man. So fickle. He's both incredibly confident and sometimes he's super brash. I love like arrogant shit talking Kevin Durant. Yeah. But he's also deeply sensitive and very 
vulnerable and kind of thin-skinned and takes things real personal. And he's the like, why did he overreact to Draymond? I mean, like sort of kicking the ball away in that last possession. Like that sort of bench scuffle in my mind to the to the layman or to my naked eye was like more Durant's weird beef than than Draymond's. I was like, why yeah. does Durant care so much about this? And so I, I just think that, yeah, I don't know if they have that killer. He's that, an like, interesting that, guy. He's an so interesting, interesting guy. And you're right. Jordan was a psychotic competitor. So, and he, he cared yeah. about winning regular season games. I mean, like everyone, he was yeah. just one of those rare guys that like every game mattered so much to him. <laughs> exactly. It was a little bizarre. It, it, yeah. it, it was frankly like bizarrely. Com- he was like bizarrely competitive. And I don't Truly. know that Kevin Durant is necessarily wired the same way. Yeah. And he does seem in- incredibly sensitive and sort yeah. of, I don't know, I don't know if unfocus is the word, but like he does seem to have these periodic lapses where he becomes like an Instagram troll where, you yeah. know what I mean? He's yeah. like very preoccupied with what like teenage boys on Instagram yeah, are I saying know. about him or, you I know. know. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I do think you make a, a good point that, you know, may, the Warriors' greatest, un, you know, undoing might just be from within, from internal. Their own complacency, yeah. their own compla- – and, and it's and of course, you totally get it. It's like they have coasted through the postseason these past few years, coasted. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not totally fair. I mean, the Thunder pushed them to the brink, and a couple of other teams have sort of pushed them in the finals, LeBron, obviously. But I don't know, man. To me, again, looking in the West, it still doesn't feel like they have – a real, a real potent challenger. I mean, if it's LeBron and the Lakers, that would be so hilarious. And just yeah. like, wow, okay, I guess it's the Lakers. It shouldn't be, right? It yeah. shouldn't. It, like, it just feels too early for it to be the Lakers. There has to yeah. be a more, like, it really needed to be the Rockets. The Rockets were the team that was, like, supposed to be ready to take the the mantle from the Warriors or challenge them for the crown. The fact that, that like, the Memphis Grizzlies are in the third seed in the West. It's or, so you know, wild. It's like... What, this is this should not be happening, and it's probably a bad sign. It um, almost it almost feels like we need to start putting Conley and Gasol like, and not to be hyperbolic here, mm-hmm. but it kind of feels like we need to start talking about Conley and Gasol in the Stockton Malone, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, a category of like all time great point guard big man duos who have just yeah. been quietly excellent for our entire adult lives. I don't think that's crazy, man. I don't <laughs> think that's crazy at all. Like they are an incredible tandem, and they've stood the test of time. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, I am curious. I mean, also here's the. Thing. Thing. It's 20 games. We're 20 games into yeah. the season. And the reality is the second to last team in the West behind yeah. uh, in front of the Phoenix Suns is the Utah yeah. Jazz. The Utah so Jazz, weird. we expected <laughs> such big things from them this year. And they're yeah. currently 8 and 11. But the reality is they're only five games back of the Golden <laughs> State Warriors. I know. I know. They, they have the second to worst record in the conference, and they're only five games back. So that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this league. It's I so mean, beautiful right in, now. In, I, I, in I, one I, week, in ten days, everything can really change. Ch- change. I mean, exactly. like the, the next time we record a podcast, things will look totally different in the <laughs> totally West. Totally different. So who knows? I know. Who knows? Um, I, I also just want to say that it, I, I think that the biggest existential threat, frankly, to the Warriors, uh, is Giannis. Oh yeah! It's like when when the Bucks because didn't the Bucks beat them badly? Yes, I feel like the Bucks beat them very. Oh, like they very, embarrassed very them. And, and that's when that, I was like, oh, this poor Looney, like Looney can't mm-hmm. hang. Like, and it's unfair loss, to, to, I feel like that loss was the beginning of a really, ooh. this this skid that we've been referring to the last 10 games, yeah. the skid that the Warriors have been on really, I think, 
tipped off with that national televised loss to the Bucks. Oh, they got crushed, man. They got crushed. That was really exciting. That was really cool because it's like, you know, Giannis is still this transcendent talent that as crazy as it is to say, and the dude is probably going to win MVP this year Mm -hmm. so deservingly. But it's like, and and all the sort of what all the basketball talking heads are saying, which feels true, is that he's still two or three years away from his maximum potential. He hasn't fully even, it's crazy. He doesn't (laughs) even have a three-point shot yet. Like he can't, he can't shoot a three-pointer and you're right he should be the mvp if we were giving out oh, the yeah. award today he would win the mvp and oh, to think sure. that like we're currently in the age of small ball and he is having this effect yes. on the game and he doesn't yes. even have a three-point shot yet is like right. it will be mind-blowing if in 18 months or, or two years from now the guy can hit a corner three i mean it's yep. game set match if that ever happens it's over over nope. Those top three teams in the East, Toronto, Milwaukee, and Philly, I mean, that is, and like you were saying, it's like, whether it's a, a shift in the balance of power, it's certainly a shift in the balance of sort of like, um, what do I want to say, like like public interest. The East, yeah. to me, is like vastly more fascinating. With Jimmy Butler, I mean, Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard coming over to the East is a big deal. Those are two elite players with fun, weird personalities. And they're fun I mean, and Kawhi's personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're fun personalities to be on those teams. You know, like, yes. Philadelphia is this, like, traditionally gritty tough town and that's very much like who jimmy butler like wants to be right toronto is this like frozen icy isolated place (laughs) in the north that's basically who Kawhi leonard is right right like humble and quiet yes yes below the radar right and so they do feel like good matches for those towns and and i I gotta say as 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 a fan living back in new york it is fun to have some like competitive juices back again in the east yeah it's It's just it's, it's so weird to look at the western conference and think like god the sacramento kings i guess are are involved or like the memphis grizzlies are like a real team it's strange i know and like i'm just really i mean i'm savoring every like i said every day and every evening of these games of this nba regular season is so great but it's hard not to get even more geeked for the postseason and for the playoffs and just imagining Giannis and Kawhi and and butler i mean the east playoffs are going to be something to see yeah i can't wait wait. yeah so while we're on the topic of the east i want to talk about a team specifically that has been pretty disappointing the last couple years it's the washington wizards and just like what the hell's going on over there what is the hell is going on what's the solution so basically after another like lackluster uninspired start to the season espn's uh adrian wojnarowski reported the other day that the wizards are giving uh other teams in the league the impression that every player on their roster is available for a trade yeah yeah so um I mean, like, let's do a little backstory here, Lustig, and then we'll talk yep. about like what's happened with the team, what the problems right. are, and like what right. are the potential solutions if we were to yeah. be GM. But just some backstory, like, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, the Washington Wizards have been kind of an embarrassing team for a while. You know, it as happened, as as Knicks fans. You know, it's like obviously the Knicks take the crown in in this respect as far as like humiliating franchises go. But you know, yeah, we're mortifying. Yeah, yeah we're you mortifying. know, you think about yeah. like Larry Brown, Stephon Marbury, Isaiah Thomas. We've had some like real bad years, some blunders. Well, it all starts with James Dolan, baby. <laughs> it all starts with Jimmy D. <laughs> but, f- but frankly, dude, like you know, four or five hours south on the I ninety five, the Wizards yeah. really give the Knicks a run for their money. <laughs> Just like a quick reminder, like the Washington Bullets turned Washington Wizards went through yep. a, a, 
a few different eras here of Rashid Wallace, George Murison, Calbert yes. Chaney. Then there was yes. the, the Mitch Richmond and Chris Weber era. Then oh, there yeah. was the Michael Jordan, Kwame Brown era. Jesus then, Christ. of course, famously, there was the Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler Wizards. And Agent then Zero, Arenas brought a gun to the locker room. Brought a gun into the arena. <laughs> and then, of course, all of this was going to change in 2010 when they selected John Wall. And it was yeah. supposed to usher in this new level of, of, of NBA competence. You know, John yeah. Wall, this all-American point guard out of Kentucky. They drafted yep. Bradley Beal two, late, two years later in 2012. Yep. They yep. draft Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre. Yep. And yep. frankly, man, the Wall and the and and Wall and Beal, they've made the playoffs the last uh, four times in the last five years. They're a yeah. perennial, perennial fourth, fifth seed. Last exactly. year, they finished in the eighth seed. They were supposed to be the backcourt of the future. And, yeah. you know, this run-and-gun team while driving to the basket, slashing, Beal spotting up and shooting threes. And it just yeah. really hasn't worked. And I guess I'm just wondering from you, like, what do you think's happened here? What's the problem? What's going on? Yeah, I, I don't know because I, I I'm not exactly sure. I feel like the NBA is so competitive these days mm-hmm. and is so hard. And like you're right, the Wizards were always kind of hanging around that four five seed forever, yeah. which like by any other metric is like a six. That's successful. I mean, that's good, right? Yeah. It's like they're making the playoffs every year. John Wall. I mean, I also have a super soft spot for John Wall. Me I too. just love He's on my fantasy team. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's under, that's right. Yep. I just love him. I love his pure speed. Uh, I love the way he plays. Mm-hmm. I love his weird swagger. I just think he's, I just really just like his game. And Bradley Beal is also like a proto Clay Thompson, like per- medically yes. perfect shoot, jump shooter. Just like, so I don't know what exactly is it that has held them back. Maybe it's the absence of a truly competent big guy. I feel like their, their sort of salad days and that their best years was when Gortat was like kind of holding down the middle in a weird way. God, Gortat, the Polish hammer. Yeah. The Polish, the Polish, the Polish hammer. And so I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they lack, I mean, who's their big man now? It's one of the more Dwight. Brothers, is it not? They oh, Dwight. Fuck. That's right. Right. That's right. Okay. So, I mean, here, here's my quick observation on the team. Yeah. It, first thing is, it looks like they don't give a shit. Like they, they look, don't give a shit. They yeah. look, they look um, entitled. Frankly, like they, they were, like I said, this perennial fourth, fifth seed in the East. Yeah. They yeah. were that team that was always like, "Yep, they're next. It's going to be yep. their turn once LeBron and once LeBron leaves Miami. They're next. Yes. They're next. Yes. Right? And and it never really happened. I no. think they kind of read their own hype a little bit. So yeah. it looks like they don't give a shit. They look a little bit entitled. The other thing is like. They all got paid. They all got these massive extensions. Um, You know, John Wall got paid like he was this, you know, game-changing, franchise-changing player. And frankly, he isn't like he got paid like he was LeBron James or Kevin Durant. And frankly, he's a a great numbers guy, but he's also pretty moody. And Super he, moody. he hasn't really like proven himself to be a leader. I mean, this is a guy, he came into the season grossly out of shape. He's about to <laughs> yeah. enter his thirties. He's had three, yeah. he's had three knee surgeries since 2016, yeah. since 2016. Yeah. And he's like actually like boastful about his penchant for like clubbing and partying. I like know. it's just, it's a really, really bad look for John. It's been a really bad look for John Wall for about 18 months now. And it pains, and it pains me, and probably pains you as well to see it because, like I said, I, I, I he's, he's, he's one of my favorite. NBA, he has one of my favorite NBA games. Like he I does. just love the way. 
he plays, but it's true. And uh, like hearing you say that, and maybe again, this is an obvious truth, but would you say that Bradley Beal is objectively more valuable? And if they were to trade anyone, they'll, they'll fetch more for Beal than they would for Wall. I don't is have that an obvious any thing? doubt. I don't have any yeah, doubt. Here's the, he, here's like the fact of the matter is like John Wall is due to get $189 million through 2023. <laughs> so John Wall, as much as we love his game, as fun as it is to see him on the fast break passing, he's immovable. He's totally yeah, he immovable, immovable, right? And he's entering his 30s. He's had three knee surgeries in the last two years. And like I said, like he, he openly like brags about how much he loves to party and how he's not changing his lifestyle. Bradley yeah. Beal, on the other hand, is locked up for $80 million over the next three years. Like it's a, yeah. it's a fair contract, but it's also, you know, it's over in 2021. Um, yeah. Like the late, a team like the Los Angeles Lakers would kill to have Bradley Beal on their team. Seriously. Alongside Good LeBron, call. Right? Good call. Uh, I how how much culpability do you because who's their head coach Scotty Brooks Scotty Is he Brooks. Coach? yep so how much culpability do you think falls on his shoulders because a little bit I feel like yeah I don't know to me it might be a bit of a Scott Brooks problem because I'm just thinking here it's like I know that they want to trade everybody and that's one way to sort of burn it all down mm-hmm. start from scratch get rid of Wall get rid of Beal just sort of build up through the draft and suck for another six years but also I don't know we've seen the Bucks really turned it around with Budenholzer uh, there are certain coaches that can sort of step in and kind of instill a new I, I hate this word but like instill kind of a new culture and sort of I don't know maybe yeah. it's about having someone a little bit more disciplinary and just ahead coach there's there's stuff leaking out about them just like fucking cursing out scotty oh. brooks they clearly have no respect for him and i don't know maybe it's a i don't know the co- i don't know like scott brooks I, I, isn't lighting the world on fire either i don't <laughs> think that's i don't think that's far-fetched at all so first of all a few things you touch on yes so it's confirmed the wizards recently had a heated practice this is last oh, week yeah. where john wall cursed out scotty brooks and bradley <laughs> beal threw all of the management glenn grunwald under the bus oh um, bummer but I don't think I don't think um, I don't think it's that far fetched to think that a change. I mean, it, look, it couldn't hurt, right? Like, like it it's, it, it's much cheaper and easier to replace the coach than it is to try to find a trade partner for John Wall. For John Wall, that's right. Right, who and you've now like, committed one hundred and ninety million dollars to over the next five years. So it's much right. easier to replace the coach than the player. Um, and you're right. That's like right. you look at, you know, Mike Budenholzer came into Milwaukee, replaced Jason Kidd, and big difference. Yeah, it's big been it's, it's been a big yeah. difference. I I don't think it could hurt to try. Um, but it's I, like one of the get one of the Van Gundys in there. Get a Van get Gundy. Stan Van, Interesting. A get Van Gundy. Stan, get Stan Van Gundy. Get Stan Van. I mean, Jeff Van Gundy. I don't know if he's ever leaving the commentator booth. He just seems to like it too much. But I don't know. Like Stan Van's floating out there, right? He doesn't have a team. It's like I Stan's love, a free I agent. Like that. Yep. He's a free agent. It's like, get one of the Van Gundys in there, shape, get, try and get John Wall to shape. Maybe it'll be futile and pointless, but something needs to happen. I don't know if, and like, if I just gonna... don't know that trading Bradley Beal is the answer. You know what I mean? Like ever, like obviously that's that's the 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 quick fix for every talking head is like, well, Bradley Beal has this great contract, and everyone would love to have him, and the Lakers would love to have. It's like, okay, so if we're gonna move Bradley Beal to the Lakers, let's yeah. say you know, like every talking head loves to you know say like, oh, let's move Bradley Beal to the Lakers or a playoff team. Right. You know, like everyone would love to have Bradley Beal on this like very flexible contract. Okay, great. So if 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 the Lakers were to acquire Bradley Beal, Beal for yeah. I don't know Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram, yes. like yes. can we really imagine John Wall being psyched to play with Lonzo Ball or or Brandon no. Ingram? Like if like. No. 
it just it just doesn't seem like that would work or that would be something yeah. he'd be excited about or there is that t- like is Lonzo Ball and John Wall any more likely to win than John Wall and Bradley no. Beal? No, I don't think so. No, I mean uh, I, I, uh, I don't think so. John Wall, as much as again I hate to say this, might be a little bit of a lost cause in terms of like competitive fire drive wise. He might be he might have have emptied his tank and been just sort of too irrevocably discouraged over the he past sort of seven years. Like, it kind of seems like that. Yeah, he yeah. does seem, seem like the bellwether guy on that team when when it's like, if John Wall is out there busting his butt and trying and playing defense, then the team will follow. And like That's when he right. doesn't, you know, like the team looks like they just don't give a shit. As evidenced by the other night when they were at home, it was like the first game after that whole practice melee and yes. all the rumors about them wanting yes. to trade everybody. They, they were home to court. Well, their home fans were booing them. They were down 20. And then frankly, they mounted a comeback and like they showed a little spark and that John Wall led them to victory and it was like well okay great and like it's it's a, a sort of simultaneously encouraging to be like that's the John Wall we right. know about they're the wizards we, right. we want them to be and also discouraging it's like well this is clearly exclusively an effort issue it's and an you're just issue. if you can just like flip the switch it's, we'll it's just a like mental thing switch fl- yeah. so this is a quote from Bradley Beal that he gave to the athletic after that Monday practice yes. where um, you know there was the, the cursing out thing and everything so he yes. said uh this is after there was a report from uh, ESPN that all the players were available for trade. Bradley yes. Beal said, "With the news that we had today, that there's I, that they're either going to, that's either going to boost us or fuck us up a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've already aired out a lot of our problems in the last couple of years. It's not like any of that stuff is a secret. We just got to do it on the floor. It's not like we have a bad character guy in our room or bad guys." We're just not getting it done in between the lines. Maybe it's entitlement. Maybe we're too cool. Maybe we feel like we can flip it on a switch. All the things we've said in the past that have been a problem with us, us, I don't know. That's the annoying part about it. You just can't pinpoint it as one thing. So I I don't know, man. I do think that word entitlement is like a big one. It's like they're, or we're too cool, or we feel like we can flip it on a switch. It's like, yeah, exactly. You have to take it serious every night. It's almost like Bradley Beal is in a position where he like is clearly like subtweeting John Wall with those comments, but can't like say it explicitly, you know, because John Wall is, like you said, the $200 million man. He is the franchise. Guys, you can't really talk explicit shit about him, but Bradley Beal is saying, John Wall, you're fucking up without saying it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep, 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 yep. Uh, and I guess this, this sorry, Chris, I don't yeah. really, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. circling back to your first question, what are the what are the trends of the season? The obvious trend that I sort of neglected to mention is this fabulous little micro trend about like, pra- like practice drama being leaked to the public. Incredible. And all of a sudden, like we are privy to all of the little micro soap opera dramas of all of these rosters and like and we're also entering this this era of just like players just fucking being brutally honest like jimmy butler and bradley bill and john wall it's like these players like this sort of like corporate culture of like keep your lips zipped and like we all you know sort of a united front and we there's a really sort of uh, strict media message that is all kind of fa- falling away i think in a really sort of com- kind of volatile and exciting way where it's like these all these players are really really speaking their full minds <laughs> well, in a I way that is players, kind of exciting yeah, yeah players are more empowered yeah. now i guess that's the word they're more empowered yes. now than they have ever been in the past yes. right like in the history of the sport where there is no doubt that players are now more powerful than GMs. I mean, it obviously starts with someone like LeBron, but it kind of trickles down. I mean, obviously 
Michael Jordan was always going to be more powerful than, uh, you know, was it Jerry Krause? Is that who the GM for the Bulls? Yes, and like, like Jerry Weinsdorf or yeah. Jerry Weinsdorf, exactly. Yeah. And and, yeah. and and similarly, like LeBron was always going to be more powerful than powerful than David Griffin or Colby Altman yes. or whoever the GM yes. in in Cleveland was. But right. it's kind of trickled down too now, yeah. where it's like guys like. Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler and yes. and and, and uh, John Wall. All of a sudden, once they get some some money, once they get a contract, frankly, they yield so much it's uh, true. influence in the team. It's true. And I also want to say that it does seem like, to your point, that there is an inc- like it just seems like there is now more than ever a pipeline between. I think it's ESPN and 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 the me- yeah. like the media and the teams where it's like we now have a direct pipeline into like what happens at practice. You know I know, what I mean? like the, those Which, things used to happen behind closed doors. Like I'm sure yes. the Jordan Bulls or Patrick Ewing in the Knicks or Tim Hardaway and the and the Miami Heat. I'm sure they had locker room brawls or or arguments. Like things went down in practice, and you didn't always hear about it. And like now, with in the age of Twitter and and Woj and Shams and all these guys reporting everything at like live tweeting. It's like I'm watching Jimmy Butler curse out uh, the the GM Scott Layden of the yes. of the T Wolves. It's like it's it's crazy the access it, that we have to these like minute little yeah. things. It's a different era. It's it's like the one scrap of the Jordan era like Bulls drama that we know about. It was like there was that one practice where right. he punched Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, and that's like the one little nugget that we hung on to over like twenty it's years. Like of Jordan dominated. It's yeah, the folklore, folklore, and now it's just like as soon as the practice ends, everyone is tweeting about who said what and who's mad at who and it's what crazy. that means for trades, and it's just like wow, like this is really different. <laughs> this well, is a different NBA media ecosystem. Yeah. It's a different NBA culture. Like the also yeah. like the way we consume it as fans is totally different. Frankly, like I mean, like you know, there is now we now watch players walk into the to, into the arena so we can see what they wear. I know. Like, did you ever give a shit what Patrick Ewing wore to Madison Square Garden? Like definitely not. As long as it included knee pads. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like imagine caring about like what I Charles know. Barkley wore to when the Suns were playing or Clyde Drexler. You know. It's I like, know. Like it's it's just crazy. Fans are so rabid for every last little detail. So um, true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before I let you go, I want to talk real quick about Markel yeah. Fultz. Oh yeah, what a and, mystery. And and the situation that's going on with him and what and is, Philadelphia. Yeah. So this week, Shams and Sham Chiarnia and David Aldridge ran a piece yep. on the Athletic that basically went into detail on the injuries that Markel Fultz has had over the last year or so. Basically, yeah. we get a timeline of his his shoulder ailment when the issue started presenting itself around the yeah. around the NBA draft in 2017, and he basically. Yep. The, the article talked about how he altered his jump shot, the release point on his jump shot to try to create mm-hmm. um, more power for an NBA three-point shot. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. when you move from college to NBA, the, the three-point line is further back. So yep. he altered his jump shot, basically wound up hurting his shoulder. Now he's reporting wrist pain. He's seeing a specialist on Monday. Right. We're hearing from his agent. Lusto, my question for you is like, yeah. is this the end of the line for Fultz and the Sixers? Is it time to begin thinking about trade partners? Fultz's camp has leaked that he would be interested in a fresh start somewhere else. Philadelphia yeah. seems very all in on this like present tense with Jimmy Butler. Do they have time on their hands for like a reclamation project? To be honest with you, it kind of surprised me. I was a little surprised that he that when at least that he wanted a trade. Me too. I was I don't know. 
like it, I just found it a little surprising because I get that his jump shot is weird. I get that he's like figuring out his jump shot form, and it's like sometimes so awkward it's almost hilarious. And like he, when he was trying to like shimmy the ball between the two hands and then shoot it, and Crazy. he's just like really trying like funny, weird, out of the box. Like I'm expecting him to start shooting underhand sometime, and like that might even be better. But like. He, I, I get that his jump shot is weird and that the, all the injuries, but I don't know, like, again, from the layman's point of view, like, he's nasty. And, like, sometimes he drives to the rim and throws down thunderous jams. I'm like, what's the problem here? I agree. Like, it's I totally like, agree. I, it's just sometimes it feels like, I don't know. It's like somehow his shoulder doesn't hurt when he's going up for a windmill dunk, like, yeah. which, like, literally happened a month ago against the Memphis Grizzlies where he, like, dr- like the lane cleared out. He drove down yeah. right down the middle of the court and like slammed it like ferociously but when he goes to the free free throw line apparently it's like so awkward he can't lift his arm or something it's like it's so very awkward. bizarre and it leads you to believe like is it a mental issue is it the yips right. has he forgotten like the mechanics of his shot is he in his head um, yeah, it, it definitely does seem like it's like it's a combination of the two, like shoulder surgeries, constant injuries, like whatever. Plus this sort of like at this point, it's a mental thing. The fans are like screaming with joy every time he makes a free throw. That's like I'm sure that makes him very self-conscious and sort of embarrassed. But like, I don't know. He is a lockdown defender. He runs the offense pretty well. He's got great vision. I'm so impressed with his speed and quickness. To me, I was just surprised that he all of a sudden it was like Fultz wants to get moved they're open to trades so i was like oh okay that to me I, to, yeah like that was quick and to me like your question like do they have time for a reclamation project I, I mean to me yes like to me it's he's worth reclaiming he's worth like um I don't know. He's worth. I just don't know what you could possibly get returned in a trade that would be worth like giving up on the upside of that guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's a a much, a much more salient way of saying what I was trying to say. It just seems like he, yeah, like his, like he was the number one draft pick for a reason. You know what I mean? Exactly. uh, It's so depressing to watch those YouTube highlights of him in college at Washington because he was a pogo stick, man. He was, he was just incredible. And, and, and on both ends, defensively, offensively, like I'm talking about swatting shots away. Like he, he was just a very, very special player and so fun to watch. So I'm really like pulling if, for the guy. I hope he can figure so some stuff out. So am I. And if Fultz wants out, that's one thing. But if I'm the Sixers, I don't know. Like I, I want to keep him to me like Fultz and Simmons and Embiid and Butler. That's like the core of the team, for God's sake. I mean, like. I don't know. I just, I, I also just love the way he plays defense specifically. And I just think like, he's a really good on the ball defender. And I mean, Ben Simmons has a shit jump shot too. They're not trying to trade him. You know what I mean? It's yep. just like, I, I don't know, like to me, and I get that like jump shooting is important. And at this point it is also like his weird free throw struggles and jump shooting struggles is almost like if it starts to become like a distraction, like in the media and like with the fans and like in the national narrative, then I guess that would be reason to trade him. But I don't know. To me, it feels like a stretch because to me he his like you said his upside is way higher than this weird jump shooting struggles and again maybe they know something we don't and he's like truly chronically injured in the shoulder and it's like never getting better and it's only a matter of time before his arm falls off and like that's i guess that's one thing but i don't know i believe in faults i'm um, team faults i i think he's solid and really good and upon the sixers i hang on to him and cultivate him i think one of the frustrating things about faults is just like his refusal to just like he's just not i i i I wish he could just be honest about whatever it is is that's going yeah. on. It feels like his lack, his like inability to talk 
um, about <laughs> yeah. what, what's actually going on. I understand yeah. like he is a sensitive kid and he's also 19. And like, I, I understand like he's super sensitive, but like yeah. it would, he's also got to like own the moment a little bit and own like, like where he is, which is like, you're the number one pick in the draft. People like they the the Sixers made this high profile trade to acquire yes. you. You know they gave up Jason Tatum the rights to draft Jason Tatum in order to acquire you. Oh shit! That's it would right. just go a long way if you said like, "Hey, look, I have this injury and I'm really hurt, and that's what's going on." Or like, you know, frankly, it's 2018. Um, like, it's not cool to be a despite the president being the president. Like, it's not cool to bully people. Even if he said like, "Hey, I'm kind of going through this like." issue right. where I kind of forgot how to shoot and it's like I'm in my head a little yes. bit and I'm working through it and like people yeah. I do think people would people like people would be empathetic and get behind them and I, I, I think the radio silence from Camp Markell at this yes. point isn't really doing him any favors. I totally agree with that and I just want to say two quick things on that point. One, yeah. that sort of emotional maturity and like self-reflection and self-awareness and stand your groundness is so much to ask from a 19 year old. Yep. Just, just in general just any 19 year old in the world. You know what I mean? Uh, But, but you're you're absolutely right. And also I believe I saw, secondly, I saw an Instagram post on Thanksgiving day, the Cowboys put the Redskins, the Cowboys scored a touchdown. And one of the wide receivers did the Marcel Fultz foul shot as a celebration. As a celebration. And I saw an Instagram post that Markel Fultz himself posted. That was like him laughing laughing at at it. Yeah. So like to a certain degree, I don't know. I, I just, I I know man, like what do we make of that? It's like what okay. It's like okay. Well, if you can laugh at your own um, issues, then can we just yeah. have a conversation about it? Like, I know. apparently, you You're can right. laugh on Instagram about it. Can like right. like can we just can we just talk to you and like can I, you just I be know. like, hey, look, I know, I know it's kind of crazy. I know it's I know this is like awful because it's the Sixers and they've gone through all these issues. But here's the deal. Yes. I sort of ch- changed my jump shots. And uh, now I can't really figure it out and I'm working really hard and I know, you know, it's infuriating, but if you could just be patient, it would go a long way with me. I think fans would be like, that's cool. And and to your point, having that emotional awareness and maturity as a 19 year old is, pro- is probably like unlikely. And, and that's so, like, why I feel his camp, the people around him are, are really him. the ones that are failing him because someone, some adult needs to get in his ear and just I be agree. like, look, Markel. I know you're only 19 and your favorite thing to do is play video games, but here's the deal. (laughs) All these people just want to know what's going on with you. And if you could just give them some little window, some little insight into like what's going on, it would go a long way. And people aren't going to hate on you. Like, like actually people want to root for you. And if you give them a reason to root for you, they will. It's, it's almost like there's a parallel and not to sort of be too academic about it, but it's almost like there's a parallel to the political ecosystem where it's like, we have this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, amazing new hot, like rising star politician. The reason that she's so great is full transparency. She's on Instagram live three nights a week, making dinner, asking questions from her supporters. Yeah. And it's like, that is um, to, to our previous point about this new media ecosystem system where we almost as fans expect to know every detail of every team's practice, whether we are owed that information or not, that now in that kind of media ecosystem, being buttoned up and being vague and being opaque makes you seem shady and like you're hiding something. Yeah, dude, whatever it is, it's okay. We'll forget. Like even like there was a report, there was a report a week ago that like he may have gotten into a motorcycle accident or something. It's like, whatever. Yeah. And and his agent like adamantly denied it. It's like, okay, then, then just tell us what what it is. is. Like, even if it was 
a motor a motorcycle accident. Don't worry about like that happens to people. Don't worry. You're like right. we'll root for you. But if you can just help us understand Amen. what's going on, like Amen. we'll we can get in your corner. All right, Lesto. Before I get you, before I let you go, um, yes, you're, you're the biggest. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, you're the biggest fan and supporter of Syracuse basketball that I know. Can you give <laughs> us a quick thought on the long, strange career wind down of Carmelo Anthony? Is this the end of the line for him? Does he get another crack in the NBA? Does he move on know, to man. China? Like, what? It, how do you foresee this ending? Yeah, it kind of feels like a sad. It feels sad. I, I, I'm sort of still gathering my thoughts and feelings about it, to be yeah. honest with you, because Carmelo and Syracuse have a weird association where it's like almost like a marriage of convenience or loyalty by convenience. He was there for one year and mm-hmm. he won the title, mm-hmm. our only title. And it's like, so we are. As and they Syracuse like named. Fans, didn't didn't he like donate a bunch of money and they like named an arena or a practice center after him? Isn't it like the Mellow Center yes. where they play or something? Yes, that, that's right. Like some sort of practice facility, I think. But it's like, so a, as a result of him being there one year and winning the title, it's like we are truly, as Syracuse fans, forever indebted to him forever. Yes. It's just like, no matter what he does, it's like we, as Syracuse fans, Need are to be so in his corner. Beho- yeah, exactly. But this, I don't know, this NBA saga, and then you and I being big Nick fans, like, yep. I don't know, like, the, the Nick, the Carmelo era of the Nick years never, frankly, left me that satisfied. No. It always felt like it, like he was a reluctant superstar, like yes. he was like a second tier, third rung, and not as good as LeBron, yep. like a watered down diet megastar. And it always kind of felt that way. Yeah. So, uh, and, but just him being dismissed by like team after team like this, it does hurt. It does make me feel a little bit sad. It, it, it hurts. It hurts my feelings, even though I'm not. I don't have any. I'm not the biggest Carmelo, Carmelo fan. Yeah. It's just like a yeah. weird, sad, strange ending for a guy yeah. that was very very good but never great or you know like however however you want to chop it up however you want to call it it's like he you know in in the same way that the knicks in the 90s had patrick ewing and they could never really vanquish jordan and the bulls it was like we had carmelo in new york and we made a couple playoff runs but the reality is he was never going to vanquish the uh the lebron miami heat or the lebron Cleveland Cavs. Yep. And then, yep. you know, he got paid, like Carmelo got this massive contract and it all kind of went south from there. And yeah. it does feel like a sad, bittersweet ending for him. Um, I, I mean, frankly, I, I wouldn't, I, I wonder what you think about this. And again, because, you know, like more of the nuts and bolts of like contracts and things like that. But is there a world where like I could see a Popovich scooping him up in March? I don't you know think what I mean? that's, At, yeah, sure. I don't think that's far fetched. Yeah. Or like a Memphis or like one of these teams in the West that is going to try to compete. I, I could see. Sure. I don't know. Like, just I hey, come in. Can you his... can you average fifteen points? Like, exactly. You know, and I, yeah. Give us, give us, tw- give us eighteen minutes a game in the playoffs, yep. and like Carmelo could be a really, really valuable piece of, of, for some team. I mean, even it's crazy, but like Boston, I don't know. Like, wow. I could just see some team yep. scooping him up, stand in the corner, draw the offense. Like, he doesn't drive. He doesn't drive at all. He just like stands there and makes and makes stationary. Yep. Station shot. Yeah. And he like and he's great at that. And so like I could just see, I don't know, some savvy team, the Spurs, the Celtics, somebody fun scooping him up for a playoff run and him actually making a difference. I I, I want that for him because again, I don't have any fierce loyalty to Carmelo despite him yeah. being a Syracuse uh, guy in the Nick. I, I I don't really give a shit, but I would like to see him at least end his career on a bit of an up note as yeah. opposed to this just like being dismissed by the Rockets after ten games. That's yeah, bad. it just feels yeah. like a bad look. It's just yeah. it just it just doesn't feel right. I feel I feel bad yeah. for the guy. 
the mess of right. just a little bit. Not too bad, but a little bit. All right, Lester, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so Chris. much for coming on the show. We will check Thank in you, with brother. you later in the NBA season. Great, man. All right, Thanks talk for to having you. me, bud. All right, that was the conversation with Adam Lustig. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. Uh, find me on Instagram. Send me any NBA questions at OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Enjoy the next few days watching NBA hoops, and I'll talk to you guys next week.